Hello and welcome to the Faith in the Arts podcast. I'm Johnny. I'm Ali. And I'm Marlita. I think it would be fair to say that uh, the three of us are all very keen on the idea of uh, Christianity and the arts coming together more fruitfully and both the church and the arts and artists within the arts thriving through the relationship together. Would that be fair, my good yes, friends? Agreed. Yes, we are. Yes. yes. And last time we talked a bit about art, how artists could help potentially with uh, that relationship. Today we're going to focus a bit more on how those who aren't artists, maybe church leaders or others involved in the church in different ways, we're all members of the body, um, how, how you guys can help too. And I thought it would be good to start just by clarifying for, for us, so, so you know where we're coming from, how we as a, as a trio uh, serve in churches in different ways. And I thought I'd just ask um, my good friends to elucidate on our own uh, ways we serve in churches. So Marlita, how, what's your relationship yes, with, uh, with churches and your church? I'm sorry, I was, I was just so wrapped up in elucidate. Loved it. <laughs> well, thank you. I'll be here It's another one for a T-shirt. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yes, I um, haven't served in the church for a number of years, but when I was there, I was... Uh, I led the dance ministry in my church. Um, I did various things. I served in this ministry, served in that ministry. But the the leading the dance ministry and being connected to the worship team was the most involved that I was in church leadership. So I'm involved with a, a church plant. We planted about 10 years ago here in South London and a small community church, um, loving one another, loving God's word. And so I serve as an elder. I, in that church community. So I'm, I'm part of the leadership team. That's an unpaid role, um, just to make that clear. And um, I'm also quite involved with the music as well. I, I lead our music um, team and we have a home group that we run here as well. So I'm pretty involved with our, our local church as well. And we're a conservative evangelical church. Although I'm, I'm sort of the closet charismatic. <gasps> I'm the, I know. It, you said that this is going out to people, Ali. You can't say things like that. I know, I know, I know. It's right, no one's listening. We're all right. I'm... But I'm the dude at the back with the hands in the air, you know, while everybody else has their hands in the pockets. Can I, can I ask, do you ever speak in tongues under your breath in meetings? <gasps> if I admit that here, I might lose my, okay. my role. I don't know. We won't, we won't delve into the dark arts here. It's fine. <laughs> yes, I do. He said it. Dun, dun, dun. Right, I'm just going to cut in with my experience just to save Ali. I mean, I mean, I don't want him to. He's gone completely off the cliff. Here. This is uh, like Church Leaders Anonymous or something, now, isn't it? <laughs> our, our sister podcast uh, will be on that. Um, for me, I, I've, uh, my experience with church has, has been uh, very consistent over the last 25 years in that when I came to university, uh, because I was quite lazy, I was recommended a church that some people at my home church knew um, and I thought I'll just go there. I turned up and it was five people in someone's living room because it had just started and I couldn't be bothered to find anywhere else. So I thought I'll just stick with them. So I'm in the huh? unique position where I've been in the church since the very, very start. And, and now we'd be actually, we're, we're kind of four church communities uh, now that we, we oversee as a kind of small family of churches locally in Birmingham. Wow. Yeah. Still and, meeting uh, in I'm, the living room? What's that? 
You're still meeting in the living room? Yeah, in my living room, because my living room is absolutely massive. Sheesh. It's like, just like imagine, one, it's like a football Four house. big sofas, one for each church yeah. community. Ba- baptisms in my swimming pool at the back, of course. And, uh, yeah, it's, uh, that sort of thing. Now, we've kind of moved on from living rooms to schools. We seem to be, uh, seem to be a school... Say. School habit inhabiting church, um, and yeah, so and I'm I'm one of the uh, we call them elders at our church, which I recognise. Mm. Anyone who doesn't go to church sounds like we're in, we, we probably burn people in wicker men every summer or something. But oh, it sounds a bit Lord of the Rings to me, actually, oh, okay, yes. more so than Wicker Man. Lord yeah. of the Rings is better than Wicker Man or Children yeah. of the Corn as a uh, um, reference point. But anyway, so I'm an elder at the church. I'm a lead, one of the leaders, um, and have been for some time. So there we go. Right, we've got we've got all that off the chest. I think I am less trouble with my church than Ali at the end of that. So good, I've done well. Good, and Molly, you're yes. doing well too. So You're still in a job. So, but we've all established <laughs> yes. we, we all have investment in in our churches, um, and we would come from a perspective where we're artists who are connecting in with churches. I know not. I, I imagine some of you would might well be in a place listening where you've stepped outside of ch- uh, local church expressions for a season or for quite some time. Um, but that's where we're coming from. And we want to address the question then today, how can those within our churches or those of you who are listening who aren't artists, how can they help our church communities thrive in this relationship with the arts? And how can they help also artists within their communities thrive? So I'll, again, yeah. it's always a lottery. Who will step in first? But Ali or Marlita, <laughs> come on, kick us off. What do you think? What do you think, Ali? I mean, oh, I was going to go. Go on, Marlita, <laughs> you go first. <laughs> All right. Okay. Well, I think there's there's loads of things, of course, isn't there? There's loads of things we could talk about here. Um, mm-hmm. it helps to listen, you know. And, you know, for church leaders to ask artists, well, what are your needs and What's it like for you guys being an, an artist? I often wonder if, um, you know, I serve on the church leadership team, but I have accountability of, you know, leaders uh, above me. And if they were to have a look at my bank balance, actually, for a month, they might be quite shocked at uh, how, as a family, we survive, you know, and how artists generally survive, often on very little income or on sporadic income. You know, it's not, um, um, it's not a regular uh, monthly salary. Per se. So there are certain pastoral needs uh, like that that often artists experience and, and right across the arts. So I think, you know, at first to ask the question of the artist, what's it like for you guys? How can we help you? How can we support you? That really helps. Um, the Bible has so much to say about the arts and the creative arts. So, you know, to, to have a look at what scripture tells us about being creative people, and how creativity is simply part of what it means to be human being, humans made in the image of God. But more than that, it's part of our collective and corporate worship. And time and again and again in Scripture, when we read about how church is expressed, both in the Old Testament communities as God's people and in the New Testament churches, there was music and there was poetry and there was art. You know, and this was a normal expression of church. And dancing. And dancing. Thank you, Melita. Yeah, and dancing and, and, and incense. Rapping. And Was there rapping? And dancing and graffiti <laughs> and DJing. It's in the book of Maccabees, trust me. Oh, is it? (laughs) You can, you can, can you rap Maccabees? What rhymes with that? That's a tough one. That is a very rich rhyming word. That would be beautiful Uh, for both internal rhymes and others. But anyway, I I digress. Please keep going, Ali. I'm looking forward to your rap on that one later on, Johnny. That'd be dead dead good. Um, But, you know, look at what scripture says about the arts, and there's so much. And if you're not sure, well, there are resources out there. You know, Marlita has written on the subject. I have written on the subject. Books are out there. 
to help with that. So, um, you know, these things, um, it's really important, I think, for churches to be encultured. And, and by that, I mean, not to play to second fiddle to culture, not to be like culture, but mm. to be encultured. You know, we, uh, we read in Acts how we are ordained to live where we live for the sake of the gospel. And so to understand where we live, to know where we live, even to love where we live, the culture that we're a part of, helps with our sharing of the gospel. And, and loving our culture is different from loving the world, as, as Paul advised us against. And sometimes I think we get a bit confused when we read Paul, Paul's writing not to love the world. We somehow think that that means we should be separated from the world. We should we kind of have our own little bubble away from the culture that we're a part of. Um, but I think that verse talks about other things than that. But to know our culture, you know, so to go to movies, go to theatre, um, go to dance shows, go to art galleries, read the newspaper columns about the arts, you know, to, to understand the arts, at the very least, to better understand the culture through which we hope to share the gospel with, so that we can be part of that, that conversation. So they'd be my starters for 10 what do you think, Marlita? I mean, you're a choreographer, really involved with your uh, church uh, as well. What would you say in answer to this? For me, the two things that I wrote down was, first of all, um, you know, we talked about in the last um, conversation about how the church is mission focused, right? That mission is such a is a such a big part of it. Yeah. But I have experienced. And I think we all have experienced, even in my own relating with people and in the churches relating with people, that we become so mission focused that we forget about the people, mm -hmm. right, for whom we're exercising that mission, Yeah. right? And so I, I think what we can do as the church is to remember these are human beings behind this mission. There is no mission without the people. Yeah. And so it's important to get to know the people who are involved in that. Um, and then the second thing that I would say is breathe and question, because another thing is artists love questions. Mm -hmm. And I think that questions are such an important part of walking out and exercising and living in and trying on and getting to know more about our faith. You know, how many times did God engage with people in the Bible through questions? Yeah. Um, so I think one thing that's really important for the church to do in order to engage with artists is to ask ourselves, mm. yeah. why are we afraid of questions? Right. What are we afraid will happen mm. in our responsibility to care for our flock if we allow more questions to be answered? Because I think if we don't address that, what am I afraid of? What's my responsibility? Lord, how do I deal with that? Then you can't really it's going to be hard to relate to an artist who is so free mm. with asking questions. It's, you know, so I think like there's. Not like I'm Jesus never asked questions, is it? You know, exactly. sorry to butt in, you know, but, yeah, but no, all no, the time. No, but it's true. Mm -hmm. So 
I think that's such an integral part of, of the way artists think and mm -hmm. artists work. And so if that's something that makes you uncomfortable or you feel like that's something that will lead your flock astray or derail the mission, then that's going to necessarily create a, a, a guard and a wall with how intimate you will allow yourselves to be or how vulnerable you will allow yourselves to be with an artist. Um, so I think in general, just self-reflection. Um, yes. Could I yeah. come back um, on that, Justin, uh, for a moment there? It strikes me sure. that, you know, as artists, we love to ask questions. And often yeah. the asking of the question is more important than the, the receiving the of the answer. answer. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, you know, it's like an, a, an old friend of mine, um, Ellis Potter, used to, uh, he, he's a, a writer and a philosopher and extraordinary human being and a musician. Um, and I remember him at, at, at some seminar saying that when there's a question, a conversation is alive. But when there's an answer, I think even where you put it, that, you know, the, the conversation is mm. dead. It, it's finished. And that's it. And I wonder if there's a sense within particularly reformed evangelical culture that we like to have the answers and give the answers and make the statement. Um, we like to be right. Um, but the question just leaves something hanging. And that mm -hmm. can be an uncomfortable, vulnerable space. But generally, as artists, we love that space yes. we love that uncomfortable vulnerable position and perhaps that might be a tension point therefore between certain church communities and artists where the artist loves to ask the question and the church likes to give the answer and i can always imagine a sort of monty python moment where an artist would ask a question the church would give the answer and the artist <laughs> goes i didn't want the answer i just <laughs> i just wanted to ask the question you know just sit with me with the question for a minute I'm, <laughs> yeah, picking up on that, I, I often see a, a parallel uh, between artists and uh, the Old Testament prophets, particularly... Oh, I thought you were going to say between artists and Monty Python. <laughs> <laughs> well, Monty Python and Ezekiel, there's a PhD to be had on the uh, compare and contrast there. But <laughs> I, I was thinking more of uh, more of those, uh, those rogues uh, towards the end of the Old Testament, um, particularly Jeremiah... Ezekiel and Isaiah, I, th I think there's a, there's a lot of there's artistic practice in what they do, uh, poet poetry, but also performance art. Yes. Uh, but it's it's really interesting the role of the Old Testament prophet into the people of God in the Old Testament and how they act as this. Um, it seems a cr an internal critique mechanism into the community uh, of faith, and obviously at certain points the uh, both the southern and the northern kingdom, Judah and Israel in the Old Testament, have gone pretty rogue really they're all over the place as regards their allegiance to to god and and the, the expectations of the covenant um but the prophets are always they're asking questions they're interior they're being they're deliberately being a bit of a fly in the ointment of keeping saying well why are you doing this look don't you remember what you're meant to be doing why are you doing this thing and i mean i love to see a um a relationship again with with artists in the church that can operate a bit more like those those prophets, really. Mm -hmm. But I, yeah. I suppose to do that, there needs to be a level of trust um, yes. of those people and to have for the artists themselves to have gained a level of trust within the community that the, that the rest of the church know these people really care for this community and that these questions are coming out, not just to be annoying, but because they want this community to stay on track with what God's got for us and to grow and not to drift into sort of fundamentalism or an insularity mm -hmm. that's unhelpful. Um, 
But yeah, I, I'd love that relationship for me is a dream. I'd love to see that. Now, just to say on on that, I don't think it worked in the Old Testament. It's not like that goes particularly well <laughs> a lot of the time. But I think there is a right. model there of the Old Testament prophet and the artist that that could be useful for us in our thinking. Do you think there needs to be permissions in that? Um, you know, you talk about the trust between the artist and the church within that. You know, that's a very exposing thing to do, to, yeah. to prophesy, and to put it that way, to a church. That can be a painful exchange. Does there need to be permission? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so uh, just to be really clear, I, I would imagine that in this conversation as well as those listening there'd be many different Mm. the prophecy word would mean many Mm -hmm. different things and would have different connotations so i'm not i'm not saying there is an official you are now speaking the word of the lord to the community i just think there is in the old testament prophets practice um there was an asking of questions and a poking at practices to uncover are you still in line with the with in line with the covenant and there was an establishment within the people of God in the Old Testament, where they were allowed to do that. And I, I think having that in churches, for, for church leaders, yes. I'd ask, who who are your critical friends that are in your midst who aren't yeah. the yes people, um, right. who are the people who are, are pushing back, but you know they're for you. And do how do you treat those people? And do you do they, they, they're probably going to really wind you up at certain points, but you need them. They're really, really important. And I guess for artists, it's how can you show your love for the community enough and build those bridges so that you can say the difficult things and the self-awareness as well to know when sometimes you ease back a little bit because that's a difficult role. I think there's, there's probably a whole podcast series on the, that role and how that could be done. There's many treacherous routes there, but um, yeah. I, th- I think I would have some experience of that. I, I think I think... And if it'd be great to have my friend Jonathan, who, who leads our church here, to, to see whether this works. But I think I play that role a little bit in our church, and we would try to, with other artists in the church, try to listen to their voices, particularly at this time when coming out of COVID restrictions. I, I mm. had a very good friend recently say, "Johnny, look at what a number of the creative people in the churches are, in our church are doing at the moment. Are you not going to listen?" And it's like, "Yeah, we we need that voice, even when." someone is maybe doing something we think actually I'm, I'm not sure we can we can go down that as a community but we want to give you the grace to be able to do that and investigate that border stalk even go and check out the other thing but the door's open for you to come back because we we love you you're part of our family yes and something um that i thought of in listening to both of you guys just a minute ago is you know this idea of trust and what churches can do is realize that artists are invested in the same mission in which you're invested. We go about it in different ways, but we're invested in the same mission. And so in our questioning, in our engaging, in our um, expressing ourselves in the, you know, really unique ways that artists do, it's for the same purpose that you are. We serve the same God. We're invested. We're in your church because we want to be, we believe in the mission, right? And the way that you in that church are deciding to to um, uh, go after that mission. So I think that's something that, that churches can do to remind themselves of is nobody is interested in creating anarchy, right? And so mm-hmm. we can we can let that guard down a little bit. We may be uncomfortable with their means, but remembering we're here for the same reason. I wonder if sometimes it's helpful just to 
start a conversation like that you know yeah was to say that I, I want this to work I want this relationship to be good I want us to be working together well in our mission as a church please excuse me forgive me and let me know if I'm using language that is unhelpful or inappropriate or or misleading you know I give you permission to call me out on that gently yeah and if all parties come in with that sort of an attitude I think there can be some good good things that will happen could I taking it in a slightly different direction and relating to something Marlita said in the last episode, and I, I'm, forgive me if I'm, I'm wrong here, but Marlita, I, th- I think you said last time that there was you saw some comparisons between um, your place in church as, as a black woman and also as an artist, and there was there was there were things that were similar as regards the mm-hmm. the differences of communication, the misunderstandings maybe. Do you think that the church can learn lessons um, in in as, as many churches at the moment are asking? Churches like mine that would be white majority churches, perhaps asking how can we, how can we not just be more diverse to tick a box, but actually honour people who are racially and culturally different to us. There's that question is very live. Are there lessons to learn in that from that conversation into the church and artist conversation as well, or am I seeing things in the wrong way? Oh, I I, I think absolutely there are, um, and oh. Please forgive me for not knowing this woman's name. I really need to look up her name, but she was doing a TED talk and she she had this comparison of the word diversity versus I think belonging or sitting at the table were the two kind of ideas that she was talking about. And she said she compared it to a fruit salad. And she said um diversity is like a fruit plate where you have all the grapes together, all the oranges together. They're in the same kind of container, but they're all in their separate enclosures. She said, but having a seat at the table is like a fruit salad, where it's all in one bowl and everything is mixed together. And you know what I mean? And I was like, oh my God, that is so beautiful. Because we can talk about, you know, oh, we're going to honor diversity in our church, whatever that diversity is, right? Gender, you know, vocation, whatever it is. But that is different from, am I willing to make space at the table, which means my space may be a little cramped to make space for somebody else, which means I may be um, in a place where I have to check myself about some things to make room for this other person to have, or this other group to have as much expression in this, in this space as I do. Uh, so yes, there are definitely things, uh, that correlate and that we can learn from that. And I think the biggest thing is what are we willing to do to make space for other people? Whoever those people are, right. Um, whether it's, you know, I, I I need to make space for rap to happen in worship services, and I don't like rap. Well, it's not all about you. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's, it's so, at this point that there's a slight, um, it's, again, language and everything comes in as well, because I think, again, yes. for many church leaders, they, they'd be saying, look, we're making space for artists. But, exactly. But in the art itself, it, I wouldn't, Artists would be saying that's not art, like that's not exactly. the thing we're, we're saying, and and so I think that there's it's exactly. a really difficult one because I think Molly to what you're saying of making space for artists. I wonder if, if 
this would be great to push around you guys to give you a moment to think while I blabber away for a minute or two. What does that mean exactly? And so mm-hmm. I, I'll, I'll tell you what I think it doesn't mean, which and probably might not to be confrontational, but the example you gave just there to make space for rap in worship, that idea makes me um, uh, start twitching, I, I think, a, a little <laughs> bit. Um <laughs> And, and I, I would be known every now and again. Our church is quite spontaneous in, in the sung worship. And every now and again, I'm known to break into a rap verse, freestyle a little or something. But it's always clunky and it's, I can hardly hear the guitar or whatever. And it kind of meanders off and it's, it's really lyrically all over the place. Um, but I think when I've seen church go, oh, we really like to make space for you. So the classic example would be the, the actors in the church, um, who are asked, or the, the, the theatre directors or playwrights, asked to do the Christmas nativity, mm-hmm. for example. And uh, I'd know this is generally true, but I can think of a specific case where this happened, where they were operating like that professionally in the, in the world of theatre, and so they were asked to do the, the nativity um, play at the carol service, and they showed, an elder came to see it, the dress rehearsal before the nativity service, and at the end the, the elder was like, well... It's it's okay, but could you add in this, 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 and at the end, can we make sure that we wrap up all the loose ends? Because it's a little confusing. You haven't to to use what we've been talking about up to now. You haven't answered the question. You've thrown up lots of questions. You haven't really answered it. And so basically, they thought that they had a right just to trample all over the artistic <laughs> impulse of these mm. professionals in this field, and it caused you in that situation it sowed seeds of discord obviously with the people involved and completely popped at the very least it popped any balloon of enthusiasm for helping and those people have never helped with any other dramatic stuff at church that could have been more valuable on the back of it and so what does it how can we meaningfully make space for artists in the church without doing things like that i suppose is it fair to say johnny it's a little bit like almost saying to the minister uh, who has preached you know to say, um, what you said was really great, but I think you should have finished it like this, or you should have put in <laughs> at this point here, or you should have done that instead. You know, just to kind of swing it the other way around. Is it a little bit like that? Yeah, could could, could well be. Does no one do that at your church, Ali? <laughs> I no. think I've probably had that before. <laughs> and, and here's something that is so funny. Just the thought of that is hilarious, because we would never think to do that, and yet we so freely do it. To ours, it's so funny, but I think in 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 asking that question, an important distinction needs to be made in my eyes. There's making space for the arts in the church, and then there's making space for the artist in the church. Absolutely, and so those that's a very important distinction I think that we have to make. And what I believe we're talking about is making space for the artist, mm. which is also about the way we do things, right? Um, are, we, are we speaking in, in a language that they resonate with? But I remember growing up in church and it was just, it was so awesome that I got to hear my pastor in, in just normal examples, he, he, would, he would use an arts example. And I'm like, oh my gosh, he he knows yeah. we're here. Even small things like that, you know, they talk about the five love languages and it's not always gifts, but sometimes it's quality time. Sometimes it's affirmation. Sometimes it's gifts, sometimes, right? So are, are you making space 
in your awareness that I exist here? And, and are you thinking or, or allowing for ways to, to show me that and affirm that? Um, and that looks different for every artist, but I, what you talked about earlier, Ali, this might've been in the other episode, is a lot of us are professionals. Mm-hmm. I don't need another job on Sunday. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, but I do want to be loved on. I, I do want to know you see me. I do want to know you, you understand at least some part of my life. Right. I, I do want to know that you think I have a space in this mission, in this body, in God's eyes, because a lot of us, uh, you know, our relationship with the church and what we hear from the pulpit shapes our individual walk with God. So if I never hear any affirming words from you, some artists take that to thinking God has no affirming mm. thoughts about yeah. me because I never hear affirming language about what I do. So that's one thing that I think about. Oh, I, I wholly agree. And I think that's it's really helpful to make that distinction between affirming the arts in the church and affirming the artist. And as we talk about affirming the artist, it strikes me as well for those from a visual perspective, even the, the aesthetic of church can be a welcoming mm-hmm. invitation to an artist or or not. So, you know, the consideration of the, the colour that we paint the walls, it, it actually matters. Or the way that the chairs are put out, you know, that sort of stuff matters. Um, the, the preacher maybe would think about, well, what, do I, what am I wearing today? You know, those kind of things actually really matter. And likewise with the music, I had a painful conversation with a musician in our church about five years ago who um, stopped coming to church and for various reasons, various reasons. But one of them was he said, um, you know, the music, I just find it really hard to listen to the music. And I was involved with the music at that that time, so I can take responsibility for this one. Um, and he said, you know, it's just not the, the kind of calibre that I um, find relaxing and enjoyable and can worship with. Um, and uh, he likened it as a little bit like, you know, uh, going to a, uh, a builder's site and hearing a, a drill going on. And while there's a drill going on, yeah. trying to pray and trying to read scripture. And, uh, you know, you I don't know what bad? songs um, we're doing at the time, but... Are you that bad at worship leading? Seriously? Like... <laughs> well, I, I've, got, I've got better, you know. I've stopped using a pneumatic drill yeah. and I've started to the guitar instead. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh the electric saw just doesn't work so much does it you know to, to be honest i would that actually probably so prefer a, a drill or pneumatic jackhammer to, to some oh, things you? in there yeah <laughs> nine inch nails have always uh, enjoyed uh, pervade that style so industrial that's what it's called <laughs> his comment wasn't you know, so much Ali. towards the quality of the, mu- the way the music was being played i think it was more the, the choice of the song and the, particularly yeah. the lyric content yes. of the song which yes. at times you know, and I love a lot of music written by Christians. I really do, and I find it encouraging. But I, there's a lot of you know songs that have been written by Christians that are just vacuous yes. and um, and shallow and meager, and they find their way into corporate worship quite quite often. So I think it was more more towards that actually. So it was a wake up call for us as a church leadership. Um, but it was a very sad conversation as well. But also that you know the point being that the aesthetic dimension 
in church matters because it shows yeah. that those who are concerned by the aesthetic dimension that they are loved and valued and and appreciated it's a little bit like putting on um, a hospitality meal for you know we have a, a lot of um, um, Pakistanis in our area and we quite often put on a, a meal um, with food from Pakistan and, and it's a way of saying you are part of our congregation and we love the flavor right. of your culture you know for artists it's it's not unlike that it's a way of saying we love the flavor of your culture and we love your music and we love you and it can be a way of um, showing hospitality for artists without wanting to get too too technical uh, on the church side of things though I, I wonder if a, a pushback from a church leader might be um, the Sunday mornings can't do everything for everyone and and mm. you've got such a group you're trying to gather a whole load of group of people the body coming together so this is the the issue i i, I would imagine with com communal worship music is it is lowest common denominator music um by by definition because if it wasn't you you've got to not basically you've just got to have something that everyone can get involved in in some way i suppose and there's and i think it causes obviously lots of Lots of discussion. Some people love it. Some people don't like it. And I, I wonder if an issue is an over over concentration on the Sunday gathering in our churches as the the locus of everything. Because I, I think then anyone with mm. slightly more niche tastes will feel if this is the taste setter, if this is the culture setter for church, you I'm not welcome here. Um, I think for for me, I, I'm I, I try to help people see. Look. We can't do everything you want to do on a Sunday morning, but want to make space in the church community where we have diversity within the community, um, where there are spaces where that can happen, whether that be alternative worship nights or alternative, even where we look at the word in a slightly different way. Um, but certainly coming out of lockdown restrictions where we haven't had Sunday gatherings for such a long time. I know as a church leader myself would be very much asking the question now of have we put too much emphasis on the Sunday morning? And I think to flip that to artists, I'd, I'd really ask artists, please don't define church by the Sunday morning gathering because church should never, ever have been that. And I think we, uh, for me as a leader, I'm sorry that I made it that for a long time. It's about the community. It's about discipleship. And I'd encourage people to plug in somewhere else. Just just maybe don't come to the singing section on a Sunday. I, I have a friend who did that in our, our church. Just don't come. <laughs> like, if it winds you up. Because that's just a small part of our church community. But you know what's interesting about what you said, Johnny, because I agree with with what you said. But I think for, we're talking about how, churches what churches can do and bring artists to the table to have those conversations with in the planning like <laughs> as I was listening I was thinking about this one H&M ad that just stirred a whole lot of controversy it was this monkey shirt cute little monkey shirt and for this one ad they put this monkey shirt on a black kid mm -hmm. <laughs> and there was so much outrage. Yes, you palm face. And in the black community, we were like, now, if you would have had a black person on, on your marketing team, mm -hmm. they could have told you that was a bad idea, but you didn't. So now you have to pay the consequences. And so there is bring artists to the table right? Whatever that looks like for whatever church that you're in. But if you have artistic input at the table, you can talk about those things, right? But we make decisions 
about what are we going to do? Well, if, if we are thinking about this, what are we going to do to care for the artists or, or how do we bring arts into the church, but you don't have artists at the table. So I think that's something simple that churches can do is bring people to the table so that they can tell you how you can do, and you can express something like that. You know, okay, we only have this much amount of time. This is what this is about. So in these parameters, what can we do to to involve you in this? I wonder if we could get practical to finish uh, the episode, um, which is, I guess, everyone... We're talking about people who aren't artists, uh, which is this, whatever mm-hmm. that might mean. But for all of us, there would be artistic disciplines we are not... Um, we don't have good taste in. We talked about taste a couple of episodes ago. And I think there is something about developing taste in the arts is another way to to really understand uh, the arts more and understand artists more. And I wonder, for, for my encouragement for any church leader particularly, but also for anyone in the church who is like, I think the church should be doing the arts better, let's say. I think yes. the first responsibility would be on you to push your own taste in the arts. And I know for me, over the last five years, I've thought certain art forms that I, I don't have good taste in, let's say. And I've, there have been some things I've proactively done to try to help um, develop taste in those things. And I wonder whether some of those things, very practical things, could be, uh, could be helpful for people. So, for example, uh, two years ago, I think it was, I decided, I, I'd realised I'd not really ever got my head around poetry. I, I still haven't got my head around poetry, but I did it at school in English. I've read some poetry, obviously uh, lyricism. I, I like that stuff. But what is this thing about poetry? I know it's important, but I can't, I read a poem and it doesn't affect me. And so I just practically got out of the library loads of books by poets who I'd, I'd heard of. So I went with the, the classics. It was like Byron, Keats, Yeats, uh, Philip Larkin, T.S. Eliot, all that. And I, I positioned them around... Uh, uh, we only, we've got three loos in our house, so I put one by each loo. And whenever I went to the loo, I would read a, read a poem for the whole year. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm getting quite practical here. Um, there are there's some hygiene issues here, potentially, that my wife did bring to it, my attention. But I pushed through anyway. And I, I've got to say... Um, I think I gained an understanding of poetry by just pushing through and think, right, I'm going to read poetry till I get it. It's from people who um, who would be as, uh, recognised as as masters in this craft, uh, not just guys, actually, Emily Dickinson, Christina Rossetti, those sort of people. And now I'm not an expert on poetry by any stretch of the imagination, but I think I can appreciate it, and that's really enriched my life, but also my appreciation of, of the arts generally. I, I don't wonder, do you guys have any examples of, of similar things that you could recommend to to uh, people to get more into different art forms, potentially? Yeah, I think embracing yourself in as much as you can, and in the good stuff, you know, mm-hmm. so whether that's poetry in the loo, or whether that's a regular time to an art gallery, or as part of sermon prep or Bible study prep, looking for a painting that um, relates mm-hmm. to that topic. And the visual commentary on scripture.com is a really good one as a, a starting point. And those clever folks mm-hmm. at King's College in London have put together a commentary, a visual commentary, paintings and artworks that relate to verses of, of scripture. Um, you know, like everything else where you develop a taste, it's, it's asking those who know a bit about it 
and saying, give me the good stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, what's the tasty stuff? Chew on that. Um, I've had a kind of reverse taste experience in the last couple of months or so. I've started going to the gym recently. And oh. if you were to meet me, you'd probably say, there's a guy who doesn't really know what to do down the gym. <laughs> <laughs> There is someone who has never really been to a gym. And it's true, I'm not really much of a gym person, but I wanted to change that around. And so going to the gym now, I'm kind of developing my taste for gym. And at first it was really awkward. I had no idea what to do. I didn't know what the equipment was for. And it was a rather humbling experience to have to ask for help. So excuse me, I don't know my dumbbell from my... Um, well, there we are, I don't even know the words even now. But I had to ask help. And, and I think it's the same with the arts, you know, to ask an expert, to ask an artist in your church, you know, what are the really good things on the go at the moment? Anything I should check out? Any books I can read? Any periodicals I can uh, check out online? These type of things. Yeah, no, really good. Uh, I think, again, there's this, there's this dilemma, though, that I think in church circles, we, we think, oh, we know about this stuff already. I think particularly in yeah. music, we've touched on music quite a bit. And I, I very much encourage people to push against mm. the... Um, the over spiritualization of listening to contemporary worship music in your in your own like time <laughs> like I, I think it's a yes. different it's a different thing and it's lowest common denominator music and i don't think that's an insult to worship leaders or, or worship writers i think they it's a very difficult job to write a worship song that can engage people from all sorts of backgrounds in a room of say three four hundred people and hats off to them and i i just want to say openly i'm really grateful for the influence of people like matt redman uh, and even some of the hill songs guys bethel music guys because they help me functionally I, I see that as func- a functional thing to help me to recenter on Jesus to uh, even experience the presence of God is the way I put it but I don't see that as music like it, it's I would never listen to that in my spare time because it doesn't do the things <laughs> musically that I want it to do and I would encourage a real pushback for for leaders to, please don't make out that people should be listening to contemporary worship music because you will be impoverished in your diet there is much, much better music out there. God's common grace is poured out and lavished mm. on us through not listening to contemporary worship music in our spare time. I might have put that a little strongly, but I thought I'd get that one. <laughs> no, no, I hear you. I hear you. There, there's some contemporary music that's been a real blessing. I particularly enjoy Andrew Peterson at the moment, actually, who I think, you know, as a Christian and a songwriter, who is a very gifted and um, songwriter in, in the craft, um, as, as well as... Uh, in the message, and I do listen to that in my spare time too. Um, but Sorry, just you know, to clarify, Ali, I'm talking about communal worship music. So I think that many, many Christian singer-songwriters yeah. would make music... Again, it's a, the worship is a word. We need to ask the question of what it is. I think when it's communal, and some of it mm. might be great, on the whole, it's going to be lacking lyrically, uh, musically, I, I would be my opinion, because of the nature of what it is. Anyway, It's partly down to patronage, I think, which we haven't touched on. Um, yet, but you know, in in the past, we had great musicians like Bach, who was employed by his church to write great music, and his music transcended church culture and became global culture. You know, um, but he was a guy who was employed by his church to write excellent, excellent music, and that's the bar up there. Um, is Bach? You know, they're anyway, not intimidating that, at all. So I'll step back. They're, there's the bar. Yeah, no <laughs> pressure, anyone. Yeah, Marlita, mm. what would you say mm-hmm. in any field, but particularly? For dance, choreography, what would be the gateway drug in for the uninitiated? Um, mine is, is much simpler, is is go meet a dancer. 
like like <laughs> what what artists are in your circle who who are you getting to know that are artists they may be in your congregation they may meet you know they may be somebody that you um, meet outside of that but are do you have relationships with artists go meet mm. artists go build relationships with them and how to care about them will naturally start to emerge for you. Mm. And sometimes you got to go find them. You know how I found you too? I sought you out. Mm. <laughs> I went looking for people. I was yeah. like, oh, I don't know any people in this arena. I need to go find some people. And that's what I do. I go find them. And I introduce and myself. You, you very much do have a gift in that area, Marlita, to be honest. I don't know many do. people who are as good at doing that as you. I, I'm glad to be stalked by you. It's a, it was a wonderful, a wonderful stalking. Back to border stalkers again. It's all art is about stalking. There we go. I just Hello. thought of a really good alternative website we could set up to help churches looking for artists. You know, meterdancer.com. Yes, you that know? would be great. You know, there's... Um, what is that? It's like a, it's called the Human Library. Is really? this project? Yeah, it's called the Human Library, and it's these people who are just, just worlds apart who just come into this space and talk to each other. Wow. Right, and they just Very get cool. to know each other, but they're just worlds apart and and experience and all that kind of stuff. Um, and yeah, they just go and and talk to each other. In a previous episode Marlita our last episode you talked about the importance of valuing artists as people and I think not just as projects and maybe it builds on what you've just said said no it's actually not that hard artists are available it's, to meet yes they yeah. are they love to talk we love to talk mm, we do yeah you know and if I would say practically if there was any place to start mm. you know before you try to do anything programmatically just go spend some time talking to them. Yeah. I, I chatted with a pastor two weeks ago who said he found it hard to, to talk to artists. And I thought it was interesting mm. he said he found it hard to talk to artists. He might have said how to meet artists or connect with artists. And maybe it was just the word that he chose. And, um, well, I, I, you know, I pointed him towards galleries and studios and said, well, where do you start? And I said, well, often it begins by asking, tell me about your work. You know, what, what are you yeah. working on right now? And... And um, we in the arts love to talk about our practice. We we do. So mm -hmm. it can be a real gift. Just that question. Tell me about your art. And another nice question can be the things that you're making art about. Does that relate to you personally uh, as well? You know, does that connect to your story in, in some way? And that's, I mean, that's the same thing artists ask other artists. Exactly. You know, I, I remember for my thesis, I looked at the visual arts to help me understand my own art. I needed a conversation to help me understand how to do some things better in my own art, and I knew nothing. <laughs> I remember I took a I took a drawing class, um, and it was so interesting. They all had you know their own ritual. They knew what easel to get and how to put the easel together and the pencils and the and the you know the lights and the, all that kind of thing. And I just felt like such a fish out of water. I knew <laughs> I didn't even know how to make the easel stand right. <laughs> <laughs> Good on you. <laughs> 
That sounds like me down the gym. <laughs> what do I do with this bit of equipment? Exactly. <laughs> it's a light switch. Oh, right. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So, um, oh, so that's, that's something that artists just do. And we ask mm. other artists. And yeah. again, I think that's something that we just do well is not only being able to, no, to ask questions, right? Whether that's asking questions about a topic or whether that's asking questions as a way to relate to other people. You know, you don't have to have anything to say, ask them a question and then ask another one. (laughs) You know what I mean? I think that's a really easy way to bridge that, that gap. Whew. Well, in my opinion, another fascinating conversation, Uh, but sadly, we will have to bring it to an end yet again. Thank you for listening. Uh, we'll be back with a new episode in a couple of weeks' time. If you'd like to involve yourself in the conversation, please email us with your thoughts, feedback, comments, anything you'd like us to talk about in the future. And if you've enjoyed this podcast and the others too, and you'd like us to continue making episodes like this, uh, we could really do with your support on our website. Uh, you can click that donate button and you can uh, pay to see more podcasts like this made if you didn't enjoy it well don't worry about paying for it i suppose (laughs) Um, from me molita and ali uh, all the best and look forward to catching up soon